Well, here we are again. Where are we again? Uh, this time we are at Wildcard Shack. Oh, I thought we were in a van. Down by the river? Down by the river, yeah. I haven't lived in one of those in a while. Don't lie to me. No, it's been a while, seriously. It's, uh-huh. it's not, I made the joke, actually, because I just bought the new car. Is if shit were to hit the fan, could I live in this thing? <laughs> so you should have bought a van. Should have bought a van, yeah. but I still fit in it, so it works yeah. so, No, here we are. We're here. It's another uh, fantastically warm winter day. Yeah, it's actually not bad. It's in, only, what, minus five Celsius? In southern Alberta. For all of uh, all your American fans of ours out there, all four of you, it's uh, about 22, 23, give or take. Yeah, that sounds about so, right. Yeah. yeah. So here we are. So you got to pick the topic today. So what are we talking about today? So I took this one off an article I found about a month ago. came in my inbox. Um, it's from a magazine in Ontario, Toronto. And it kind of got me thinking about the idea of kitchens and how there's a hierarchy system in a kitchen. And our typical kitchen brigade has been the same thing for, what, 100-something years? 140? 10, 120, sure. around there. Yeah, give or take. So it was initially, the, the way a kitchen brigade is designed is it was first uh, developed by this guy named George Escoffier. Uh, he's sort of the godfather of kitchen hierarchy system. He's sort well, of established with that last him. name, that would make right. sense. Yeah. So he, he developed how a kitchen is set up in terms of hierarchy. So you have your, your chef de cuisine at the top, who is basically the guy that runs the kitchen. So as he's running the kitchen, you have your, your next person. I just got food. Chef. For anybody that's wondering what all that noise is. Yeah. So your sous chef is the next person underneath him. And then you go through your next uh, levels based off of the different stations you have in your establishment and what kind of a restaurant you have, right? Um, you have your uh, chef de partie, which is he runs the different stations. Then you have your sort of subheadings underneath each one of those. Some places don't have that individual. It's just, you know, uh, saucier, so a person that does pans. And anything on a stovetop or you have your... Uh, Do you ever wonder on a whole separate note? No how lazy people were when they came up with these descriptions of jobs yeah or how confused because some of them That's make it. complete sense some of them are just lazy it's true and, yeah. and it's kind of funny how we use the one term to describe everybody when like everyone first to most cooks is a chef it's just what a lot of people do in the industry but yep. it's it's interesting because every chef is a cook but not every cook is a chef that's true and I uh, I think it was actually Derek. It was Derek. Actually, not every chef is a cook anymore either. But. No, that's true. Um, some are just a person that can run a kitchen. Right. Basically, the biggest thing that makes you a chef is can you take a, a crew of unstable individuals that would not get along in a normal setting and have them function as a unit? That's they call those psychologists. Well, I mean, that does play into the industry. <laughs> which, ironically, <laughs> once everything goes through, you know... Psychology and service comes in, mm-hmm. and it's a big one because you have to know how to handle people. And personalities is the biggest one. But I love it when I'm eating during the recording. Yeah, it's great. It is. But the I can food's talk hot, away. so. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it leads us to that one, to the one of the things that came up in the article, one of the articles in that uh, the digital magazine I got, and it was based off of that system and hierarchy that we had claim that a lot of people are making and it, it is true to an extent that kitchens are sexist and they can have issues and there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of anger and issues that go on in a kitchen okay so that's pretty accurate yeah but that's also a broad description of like 80 percent of the industries true so um 
How does it specifically translate to our industry? So one of the one of the things that I don't remember the name of the, the restaurant, uh, but how they were bringing it up is they completely did away with the entirety of how a kitchen brigade runs and how the, how the hierarchy system is. Everyone has a say, everyone's involved, which to an extent, for what your establishment does and what you put out, it works. It's not a bad idea. However, the industry doesn't work that way. Every single place that we've talked, even said multiple times, is different, and it needs a different approach. It needs one that works for that place. Okay, and I guess, how long, so that the, the example they were using in the article you were reading, how long, is the, how long have they been operating that? Honestly, one of them only read like it's been less than a year, another one maybe just since they reopened after COVID. Right, so is it actually functioning, or is it honeymoon functioning? It's probably been a You know, like, oh, honey, this is wonderful, I love you. Yeah. And then six months later... It, it probably, honestly, is a bit of both. Okay. Like, I could see how it works and why it works, so long as everybody's on the same page before they go in. Right. Um, no. However, if you have a large establishment, I don't see it working, because you need that hierarchy of just, this person has to worry about this, this person worries about this, and... Okay. And like, as myself going into any, kind of, any place I've ever worked, I would never ask anyone to do the stuff that's on my plate, but anything I ask anyone, I, was, I will always go and do myself because that's how you operate in the kitchen. Yeah, never ask anybody to do something you wouldn't do. Exactly. That's fair. Um, so in that sort of concept, though, is that necessarily combating the sexism in the industry? Or is that just alleviating the responsibility of one person to worry about it? You know what I mean? Like... And then, are you actually being counterintuitive? Because you're not teaching... So, most restaurants, right? Um, if, you've, if you've hit that point where you're a sous chef or chef, you may stay at a restaurant for a very long time. You may spend your whole career there. If you're just starting out in the industry, you, you won't. No matter how great the restaurant is, we all know that's not going to happen. So, are we teaching in that setting? Are you teaching unrealistic job expectations to... A new generation out of employees. That's a good way of looking. And then, if you created a different problem, because now those people might go into, say, a corporate kitchen or a um, commercial kitchen or an industrial setting, and not be able to function as adults. That's entirely what it is. Like, right. I I will agree with that statement a hundred percent. Because my first remote position I ever did, um, I was twenty-two. The, that place that I was at is in no way ever going to be like any other remote operation I ever went to based mm -hmm. off of the amenities they had, what they offered for people, what you could do. Like It was so remote that we're in the high arctic tundra right. that, yeah, they're going to have a gym and weightlifting facilities and everything because they need to give you those some comforts while you're there. Okay. And that makes sense to me. But one person described it that the next place you go is not going to be anywhere like this. And I no. kept that in mind, but then I went to my next operation, which was an exploration camp. Yeah. And we were further north. I had nothing like for the first week, week and a half, two weeks we were there, we had you know, cell service, <laughs> yeah. no wind. Literally in a wasteland of yeah. wasteland. Yeah. Yeah. And all it is is, hey, I need some adventure. I'm gonna go outside and hope I don't get eaten by a wolf. Like, right. That's your adventure. So, and my, don't get me wrong. My takeaway isn't that it's not a good idea to reinvent how we structure the kitchen system, mm -hmm. or there's brigades. I just don't know that you can go from one extreme to another extreme with any long-term effectiveness. Yeah. Right? And if the biggest concern, well, not the biggest concern, but if one of the larger concerns in our industry 
is finding a balance, whether it be um, demographically, whether it be uh, from try to remove the old school kind of misogynistic kitchen environment, whatever those things are. Extreme temporary solutions are never going to fix the long-term problem. Yeah, right? like, it's interesting coming from and growing up in the industry with the older chefs and the older generations, seeing from them, and then moving forward and seeing how things are transitioning in a mm-hmm. new direction just based off of how society is and people's ideas and perspectives. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that a lot of people coming into the industry now don't Good realize... Good by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if you ever come to Wildcard in Airdrie, Alberta, try the stuffed mushroom caps. They're actually really good. And the garlic fries. Really good. Um, Anyways, the... uh, I skip lunch. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) The the one thing that people don't think is, from an older generation, I've worked with a lot of women in kitchens. Mm -hmm. Some of the hardest working people I've ever worked with. Yep. And also, some of the dirtiest... (laughs) <laughs> in terms of jokes they crack and off the hook uncouth attitudes mm-hmm. and in a kitchen there's no there is no sex there's no gay there's no straight there's no man there's one for the most part everybody just works together yeah, and no, when you're rolling yep. no nobody cares mm. now that said though you do still have see and i didn't i almost ignored it entirely the last i don't know few years of my life because whether it be a restaurant or a pub or a project I've been doing, I've had sole control for the most part of the people working there. Mm. And I tend not to hire bigoted idiots. Yeah. I just don't. Yeah. I don't have the patience for starters. Nope. And like it's it's 2022. But that aside, now I'm working on a project where that wasn't part of my purview. And I have a chef that is, whether he admits it or not, still very old school like you can hear racial undertones and misogynistic comments and he tries to curb them and rein them in but you can tell they're so ingrained in his personality that he doesn't almost it's almost like he doesn't know how to not do it yeah. right see I was so, lucky enough where I tried when I was coming up through, through everything I got to go with that transition mm. so it made it easier for okay this is how you have to do this and this and Make sure you're watching out for this like I'll be the first to admit I make a lot of off-handed jokes you do. But they're never in that term of derogatory or letting, putting people down. It's, no, no, they're it's definitely general, always more in fun. Right? Yeah. But not everyone understands that difference. And too. lots of times they're self-deprecating, so it's fine. Hey, man, self-deprecation's what got me through most of high school, so. Right. But so, do you think that, like, realistically, do you think that it's even remotely possible to change what we'll call the you know old school kitchen operating mentality until that generation of chefs because it's really most kitchens are chef led yeah so sadly i'm going to say chefs and then their attitude trickles down from there so anyway do you think that it's even remotely possible to change the system right now like we can say it is yeah, yeah we're going to do all this stuff to make it great and the majority, let's say 80% of the hospitality industry worldwide might be on board. But do you think in the near future we're going to change that 20%? I don't or, know. You think it's just going to be a constant battle? We're always going to have that battle, no matter what. Because you're going to have people that are 
different backgrounds, how they were influenced by their parents and the people in their community. Mm-hmm. Like the old adage of it takes a village to raise a child is completely true. Oh, yeah. Because you're influenced by not just your parents and your friends and their parents, but by literally everyone in the community you grew up in. Like, oh, totally. But no one, not a lot of people look at it from that perspective anymore. They look at it as just I need to learn what I need to learn going forward from this. Sure. So there yeah. is some closed-mindedness coming off of learning and from other people's now, experiences. Here's the here's the craziest flip side of that, is that despite how far we've come, despite how um, open and integrated the industry is, and it really is. I mean, as far as industries go, we have probably one of the most accepting industries. Oh God, yeah. In the world, I like you. Far none. You could walk out from a recovery clinic, and no one will care. Right. They're just gonna come. You're gonna come. You're gonna work with them. You're gonna click with their team, and they're gonna make yeah. sure you don't like. Yeah. The number of people that I know that I've or, worked with that have come out from recovery, or, and um, the, the rest of the team will say, "No, you're not having this drink, or you're not doing this." Well, and we have an entire industry that has has subsects that are based on alternative lifestyles, on alternative cultures, on different, and they're always welcoming to yeah. you know. Like, anyway, so that part aside. Um, we're still one of the biggest industries for perpetualizing sexualization and that image. Yeah. We really are. And it, it sadly is still 90%, okay, maybe 80% um, heavy from a, a misogynistic perspective. Yes. Sadly. Like it, it's one of the things that never sounds good when you say it is it doesn't help that in our industry sex sells sex <laughs> but and, it does but we still yeah. as an industry haven't found a way to balance that no and some places have because you'll have now you're seeing a lot more male servers running a house yeah totally which is a good balance of that because it's well from the sex, club side there are always side, male yeah. servers from the fine dining yeah. side but, but from the other side it works because again it goes like a sex sell so you have that that hunky guy that's a server and they go to that table uh I've got girls on the night out. Yep. They're gonna flirt and joke and sell what they can because yeah. again, sex sells. It's all how you read your, your table and how you clientele. We're gonna take a break in a sec and come back. I want to talk about how asinine that concept is. Yeah. Based on trial and error. Yeah. Because I've tried it. Uh, so I remember that. So, I remember you telling me. So we're gonna take a minute, and I'm gonna refill a beverage, and then we're gonna be back. Sounds good. Okay. Okay. So we're back, and I had to get host to spend three minutes trying to remind me where I was at. Well, we went off topic for about five minutes, and then mm. the tangent was pretty good. But. Right. The tangent was good. So what I was saying is that. We still, as an industry, view that sort of sexy appeal as a necessity for sales. Well, amusingly enough, like the music videos we're watching right now on the TV yeah, are just a prime about example that. of that. Like. Yeah. But here's the catch, is that in every venue that I've either worked on, um, operated, managed, whatever, over the last 10 years, I've watched that flip. It went from a time where, you know, the cutest server or the hottest bartender or, you know, the dude with the biggest muscles behind the bar, whatever it was, yeah. used to be our, our high sellers. No, they're not. No. Because despite ourselves, there is a generation of people that are starting to come out that don't care. Like, they want 
cost-effective product with quality, fast, and friendly. Like going out now, especially back here in Calgary and stuff, it's, to me that's not as important as it would have been, say, when I was 20, 21. Now you want to go somewhere and you, you want the experience. Yeah. And if you have, a, you have a server that, example, if I was your server and you came up to me up to my table and I was helping you, mm -hmm. and the entirety of it is we're joking, we're having fun, everybody's got smiles, your drinks are always full. Yep. Got your food there. There's no issues with your orders. That's what you want. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna get. Yeah, you're gonna get some people like a group of guys that are in that early 20s that are gonna go out and they want to be like, oh, I want to get the hot girl. Sure. Because you're young and stupid. But you know, it's the, just, that's the servers aren't going home with them. No. But even let's go to the extreme end of the industry that where sex literally does sell, in like the the adult entertainment end of it, like strip clubs, yeah. whatever. Um, whether they be, you know. Uh, male, female, non-gender specific, like whatever, even they've moved away, if you look at their advertising, yeah. from that platform. They don't need it. There's when was the last time you drove by a strip club that was overtly a strip club? When? Name a time. When Slacks burned down. Great. Right? Or maybe Vegas, but nobody cares. And even there, yeah. still. Yeah. Like, that's a really good example, because, like, there's that one, the place that we went to with that one night, I'm not going to say it, because I don't have a mission <laughs> their company or anything. Um, but we went out that one night. Mm -hmm. Even that, a lot of the advertising was more about the experience, the fun, you know, yeah. what you can do with your friends and how much, all that stuff. Right. Even even on the party bus, it was the yeah. same, that was the same direction everything was going. I mean, I know, all right, now let's take it back a little bit. Let's be honest, we're human. Yeah. And because we are, right? Sex is always going to sell. It just is. Yeah. Human nature is to... It's just human nature to appreciate attractive things. It's human nature to want exciting things, right? Um, so I'm not saying that that advertising doesn't serve a purpose. Because it does, don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't think that we've... Yeah, and I don't think we've found that balance yet. Right? Where we're, as an industry, we want to grow, especially from a kitchen perspective, right? We want to grow our kitchens and empower everyone. Who comes to work for us? Um, man, woman, non-binary, gender fluid, whatever. Whoever you are, when you show up in my kitchen, I want to empower you to do the best job you can and make it as far as you can. Yeah. Because I want good employees. I don't really care much past that. You know what I mean? Like, not so, the good employees just for. You and I have always had that same mentality when it comes to people coming and working under us and us teaching them and, and learning. That's not just skills for that place you're working at. That's skills that we try to instill in you for life. Yeah, in the next place you'll go. And, and, you know? and everything you do now when people, these people coming in, if you're showing them that, that positive growth side of things, mm -hmm. that's how we completely change the industry. Yeah. It's not by trying to reinvent the wheel in one place only right. and say this should work for everybody. It's like work in Stampede. You can't have... When you have... During Stampede time, we had what, 1,800 to 2,000 employees on park? Like the park? The park. It was more like 2,500. 2,500, yeah. and then on the service side of things, we got what? 1,600? I don't know. It, there's a lot. Yeah, I think I think that depends how you define service, but yeah. Yeah, but what we do in those that regard is we're bringing people in at the management level that understand that 
and want to see that growth. And especially now, since uh, a lot of people have been reapplying and COVID's happened and there's a lot of changes happening, you're seeing that more. And it's good to see that because now you're, we're instilling that confidence in this new generation saying, hey, there are benefits to still like putting your nose down and grinding it out and working hard and learning the experience from mm. all the different people you can because that's how you grow as an individual just in terms of the industry. Oh, sure. And that's how we can change the industry is by doing that. But so, like with your kitchen brigade thing, um, like I find that, like I like that those businesses are trying something new. Yeah. Um, I think ultimately they're doomed to fail for a couple of reasons. One, um, any psychologically, socially, anthropologically, any group that's going to succeed and move forward needs structure and leadership. Yes. Any group, for the most part in history, that has operated without it has been doomed to fail. It's just, it's the way it is because people are smart. Mm-hmm. A person is smart. That's a better way of putting it. Um, a person can make good choices. A person can be responsible. Two people can collaborate and work well together mm-hmm. and compromise. Three people, well, well now so- now it's not a two-way compromise. you got to find a 30-30-30 split. Yeah. That's pretty hard. I've been, now I've been, it's four people. I've been saying that adage for years, though. One person can change the world. A handful of people can cause it to burn. Yeah. Right, but so, that's, so that's what I mean from a structure perspective. Though. Like eventually, you know what I mean. Um, eventually, that method is going to fail. As much as we'd like to live in a world where everyone gets an equal say, and, um, and in some things, everyone should. That's why we vote. But we still vote to elect one person to steer a ship. You know what I mean? Um, if you are part of a book club, everyone gets to say what books you're reading, but you vote, and one always comes out on top. Yeah. So, democracy is achievable, but if your entire kitchen structure is set up... So everyone has a say. So everyone has an equal say, that's fine, but you still need an ultimate angle. Yeah. Right? How would you create a menu? You know how long it would take? The great menu. Yeah, even just even some. If you got a three-man kitchen, even, sure. Even if it's an operation that I've done, the even remote or any anything, trying to collaborate with three or four people to make a menu, I have a bit easier job of hurting cats yep. than getting four chefs to try to come to the terms right. on what the hell we should be serving. Mm-hmm. And it's, everybody has a different way they want to do it. Everybody and, has a different perspective and on Joe, it. And Joe, the dishwasher, have the relegated experience to have an input on menu creation. Does he? Does he have enough experience to give ideas of what things he'd like? Sure. But at the end of the day, does his opinion matter? Does he understand cost of goods? Does he understand item preparation? Does he understand ingredient plans? Does he understand batching? You know what I mean? He doesn't. If he doesn't understand all of those aspects, then his, regardless of how you break it down, his opinion holds less weight than, see yours with. You know what I mean? Oh wow, those are fries. I know that's what I said. But so that's where you run into problems when you try and over overdo it on the overanalyze. Yeah, or yeah, or over, overdo the group 
think thing. Alright? I mean, even the most peaceful cults in the world still have a leader. <laughs> but it's true. Despite how much they preach harmony and, you know, togetherness, somebody's still steering that boat. Pretty, I'm pretty sure that's what David Crash might have used for his argument. Hey man, that guy was charismatic <laughs> and charming. Maybe a little off balance. Yeah, that's an A word for But from what I hear, he played a mean guitar, so. Was that Crash or was that. Yeah. Oh. That was the Branch Davidian guys. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I knew, I knew Manson played a lot of music. But... Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. Oh, um, podcast. Yeah, so I mean, that's kind of, I don't know, my takeaway of that is that. A, yes, I see that there is a, and there is, it's really funny when two straight white dudes are having a conversation about equality and acceptance, equality and acceptance in the workplace. Yeah. It is, like, no matter how you spin it. it yeah. yeah. It's, it's a weird one because for a long time. Not for us, saying, no. but from a societal perspective. Yeah, from an outside perspective, it's not the mm-hmm. same for us being in the industry and seeing everything. Right. It's like it's like that one one article oh, that we, you talked about. You can be very feminine. Just because I've done drag doesn't mean nothing. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just don't have the legs for a skirt. Wow. Cows are too big. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> wow. Got me off topic for a second. Yeah, sorry. Um, where was I going? We were talking about how two oh, yeah. straight white dudes it's, talking about equality is challenging. There was that one article we talked about the other day. Uh, one group in Canada here, they were doing an online seminar mm-hmm. um, about inclusiveness and racism in a kitchen. Mm-hmm. But the group that they were saying is being marginalized in the kitchen, in all of my experience nationwide, I don't see a lot of them in the kitchen. And the ones that I do, there's never an issue with them in the kitchen, and they're some of the most well-respected people I've worked with. And, there's a, and some of the most talented people see, I've worked with. And there's a flip side to this debate sometimes, especially in our industry. Because, again, despite how far we've come and how much equality plays into life you are still more likely to make better money in the hospitality industry if you're a woman as a server or bartender yeah um you're more likely to progress and make better money in the kitchen if you're a dude well it's like ash and i had that conversation mm-hmm. um one of our staff because again like we said you can't get rid of the sexism no like we her and i were joking because when she was still at that white club that we always we went to she was bartending her and I joked about me working there and getting a spot next mm-hmm. room at one point because her and I would love to battle back and forth as bartenders because we'd yeah. have a blast with it and we'd back with the money. And I told her for a fact, I know I would lose every night because I look like me and you look like you. Mm-hmm. And it's not throwing it out in a sexist way. It's just, she's a gorgeous person. Mm-hmm. She's a, she's funny and she's hysterical. Yeah. Like, it's great. I love I love hanging yep. out with her, but and I mean, next to each honest. other, I'm not going to make what she would make. And this is going to sound horrible. But, you know, fuck it, whatever. Let's be honest. The average first-year cook, dishwasher, whatever that comes into most of the kitchens, I mean, we can try and sugarcoat it if we want, but we can't. It's an entry-level job. Mm -hmm. So they're either 16 and a kid, and then it doesn't matter. Or, and I hate to say this, there are people that are not generally, have not had a lot of luck gaining employment elsewhere. For one reason or another. Um, there's huge addiction problems in the industry. There's, um, we're one of the few industries that doesn't bat an eye about hiring ex-cons. Because we don't. You know what I mean? I mean, some of those dudes learned to cook in prison. Man, like, okay. come on. Well, Bourdain said actually really well in Kitchen Confidential. Um, when 
Ex-cons are some of the best people you want to work for you because a lot of them are on probation staff. Yeah. And they're, your job reports them, so they're going to be on their best behavior. They're not going to be doing something stupid. Right. Generally, right. like everybody, you can't mm -hmm. lump everyone in the same percentages because every, people are people. Individuals yeah. will do what they do. But for the most part, because we're accepting, everyone gets that second chance at life. That's sure. the one good thing I love about inclusivity. And here, but here's where it leads into the problem is that if we're trying to tackle the... Like, let's just pick one issue. Let's just try. Let's say we're just trying to tackle the the sexism portion, yeah. the misogynistic hierarchy that has been part of the industry for a long time. Yeah. Well, it's really hard to change that when the demographic of new entrants. I'm not talking about existing people in the industry, but regardless of how you look at it, the new people coming in are still 80% male. Mm -hmm and 20% female or however you want to work that out and I, I know we don't we try to avoid using gender specific labels right in this video yeah but no, the irony I, in this video right the there. irony is huge but, but I know we try and avoid using that but I mean it's really the only way to yeah to to make that statement rationally yeah because maybe maybe 1% of the industry that's coming in doesn't fall into that male female female category. Even if it was five, it's yeah. still not the, the bulk that we're talking about. Okay? Hey. And that'll change over time too, I'm sure. But at present, it's just what it is. What's, what's the term? I don't like the term, but it's the only way to describe it is in the grand scheme, that small percentage is an inconsequential statistic. Oh, stati okay. So and, like, but, you want to talk to the math side of my brain? Not really, but it's going to happen anyways. Okay, no, but that's my favorite side of my brain. But no, statistically, it is inconsequential. Yeah. A lot of the things that we deal with in society are only consequential because we make them that way, not because statistically they matter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you know me, I have wicked ADHD. I'm pretty sure you might be autistic. I don't know. No, but, yeah. <laughs> but, no, but um, despite, the, yeah, <laughs> despite the amount of people that actually suffer from ADHD, it is not statistically a very common thing, no. especially for adults. But we care about it now because it's been popularized on the internet. Does it actually matter as much as we make it out to? Statistically, no. no. Like if every person on the planet with ADHD just had ADHD and never got it treated and got distracted one day and walked in front of a train, would like, please don't. But would it affect this society as a whole? No. Not statistically. No. But so sometimes when we're talking, this was like a way big segue yeah. off a deep end. But when we talk about some of these issues and we talk about these 80-20s, or there's, it's not that we're trying to ever ignore a different perspective, but we are focused on a specific perspective. Today, yeah. Right? So. In, in society, we need to, it's more, more so what the masses are, are geared towards. Yeah. Like, should we still worry about the individual? Yeah, of course. Sure. Like, never, never say no. A person shouldn't get to be a person. No, there should always be a person. But understanding that you can still succeed with whatever's going on is not that bad. Or they put pants on before hard. they come to work. I don't care. Basically. Pants You'll notice they said pants because I don't care what people wear as long as they show up pants on. Pants and deodorant. Yeah. Yes, make sure you bathe. Yeah. No matter no matter which way you roll, make sure your junk's covered. <laughs> I, mean, I actually tried to write that into it. Ops manual. <laughs> I couldn't think of, uh, yeah, anyway. 
Hey man, trying to cook bacon. I was a little cooking was, bacon without pants on. I was writing the manual at home, like half a bottle of scotch in, and I was thinking to myself, what do I care about when it comes to uniforms? And I was like, pants. cover your junk, show up to work. <laughs> I mean, if you word it properly in the manual, it would be acceptable. I think so. It's all about your marketing. All right, anyway, we're gonna take another little break. When we come back, we're gonna talk about some ideas for. Small steps to progress. Small steps to progress. Yep. Okay. Ciao. All right, boys and girls. Time for round three. Woohoo. I'm not sure about this podcast. This has been an interesting one. So no, I think it's great. And it's a very important topic. I just... Um, Everything and everyone is so divided about everything lately. It's true. This is an important topic, whatever industry. But it's also terrifying in a sense. It really is. Yeah. Like, what, we, we know what we have as issues in the industry. Mm -hmm. Just in general across the board. Mm -hmm. And like you said, not just in this one, but all industries. Right? Yeah, and some of them are self-created. All's true. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So like we do it to ourselves. How do we fix that? And it's not it's not an overnight answer, it's not an easy answer, it's one that's gonna take at least a decade. Oh, or two. Because I mean one of the biggest things that people don't realize now is especially now right now coming out of COVID, there's staff shortages, mm -hmm. hiring issues, just trying to find people that fit with the, right. what your vision is for your business. Okay. That's a hard one. Uh, it's so hard. Because you have to vet people to make sure that the rest of your staff is going to quit if you bring in a kitchen manager that's just a raging dickbag. Like you, I mean, not like you. You're fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm a dickbag. I have a question. Sure. This question. This is a terrible, terribly, I don't even know. Okay, I have a question. All right. Here's my really big question. And I don't need an answer. Maybe someday I'll get an answer. I'm so on the edge of my seat. We've hit a place in society where we want people to feel that they can express themselves. Mm -hmm. We want people to feel safe. Mm -hmm. We want people to feel comfortable in their own skin. Yes. We want people to evolve and be smarter and more educated. Now, from an educated perspective, caring about what other people think is an asinine thought. Psychologically, it's important. Yes. But based on if we're asking society to do A, B, C, D, and A, B, C, D contradict E, E is caring about what people think. Yeah. How are we ever going to get to the spot we want to be at? Because let's say, let's say we get up tomorrow and our solution to all of the world's problems is to not be blind to the problems anymore like we were for 150 years or longer but to acknowledge they exist and move on i'm not saying that's gonna work but i've heard that argument many times i don't think it's entirely rational but at the same time purely logic based it is the fastest and easiest solution because if we acknowledge there's a problem and acknowledge that we can't I can't expect old Joe, who's stuck in his ways, to change any more than I can expect server Jane over there 
to change how she feels about uh, politics or freedom or sex or religion, whatever. Because asking her to do it is technically wrong. Yeah. But asking Joe to do it is socially acceptable. Why? That's one of those arguments to right. someone fucking trying to stab you. Oh, no, it is. And I'm not saying we should. No, no, no. And that's, that's or that I is. believe it. But it, 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 There has to be a line where people just realize that it has to be the same for everybody on the cross the board. That right. we have to have the same approach. So, that's my, that's my ultimate question. How do we find... What path do we take to get there? To where we can find a balance between... Because you know we're, we're never going to fix that old school mentality until... That generation of mentality is gone. Okay? We've just accepted that as people. Okay? But we still need to bridge it in the meantime. And educate and and get, you know what I mean? Yeah, completely. One of the challenges I think that we face as well is... This is a a big one that's actually been coming up a lot lately. That's like the the TED Talk that I'm doing, the mental health one that I'm trying to work on right now. It's, It's one of those big ones where a lot of people now that are coming up in this day and age... They're looking for something that's giving them self-fulfillment, especially like in home life and work, career, mm-hmm. or something. They're looking for that void to fill something. But no one's... Shut up. I realize what I said as I said it. <laughs> but what they're trying to find is happiness. I'm not laughing. But they're not realizing that the only one that can realize what that may, what fulfillment is and what makes them happy is whatever they realization they come to themselves. Mm. It's the individual has to be happy at first. And then, okay, so this is the direction I want. These are the goals I want. But okay. everyone's expecting someone else to make them happy. Because sex is in the hospitality industry. Because people just aren't happy. So they're seeking attention. They want uh, you know what I start think. causing issues, start causing drama, fights. That, and that, that makes a toxic environment from both yeah. sides. Do you want to know what I think? Hmm. All right. I think that... Uh, I think that we do things poorly. I've said that how many times? We're on episode five. I've said it about 600 times. Yeah. We do things poorly. And here's why. And I mean, maybe my idea is wrong too, but whatever. So we acknowledge today, here and now, that there is still a problem in the industry. And an unequal set of parameters to fix it. So, in order to actually create a solution to the problem... First, we need to balance the scales. The only way we're ever going to balance the scales is by changing our recruiting practices. So, when we're going to recruiting phase, when we're going to, when we're advertising, when we're whatever, we need to start marketing to that demographic, the non-straight white male demographic, heavily. And that's where you need to recruit. And I and I don't mean that to exclude anybody. Because I mean a good applicant to me is a good applicant regardless. The person that has but, the best qualifications will always get the job. But I don't need to go seek those ones out. They're going to seek us out. Yeah. What we need to do is start pushing all of our resources into recruiting. Or at least getting other people, um, women, minorities, different demographics, whatever, interested in the challenge and the job first okay that's a five-year plan so you remember it's a decade at least i'm thinking 20 20 years makes sense okay so that's a five-year plan so now we've got them interested okay now now here's where the fun part comes in is that while we're training them and getting them into the industry and moving them up 
We need to start pulling our senior management and our chefs, myself included, into training of our own. So we need to take those old school chefs and we need to pair them with the new up and comers, whether they be new up and coming women, new up and coming minorities, new up and coming uh, whoever's. And we need to pair them with a trainer who understands the end goal. Right, so if I own Joe's Diner, and I know that I want to train Julie, who I hired six months ago to be my new sous chef, or work a cross-shift chef position with my chef, who's Bob, who's 70 and a little bit stuck in his ways, I need to take the responsibility of putting those two together in a room with a proper trainer and showing them how to work together. I think that's one of our bigger challenges is we have all these people in the industry that are coming in as trainers and mentors. But they're lazy? They're lazy and they don't know how to do it. Because yeah. you and I are very lucky where from our influences and how we've come up through the industry, we're very open to seeing things. We see what works, we see what doesn't work, and we can incorporate into how we operate. Because I don't know, dude. I'm pretty big on just do whatever I tell you to do. Well, when you pay like me. Like, I that, sound yeah. open, but... And I mean, I am. In, but... in retrospect, when you're paying me to do that, then yeah, I'll suck it up. All right, but when like... we're doing all, when we're on projects together, it's just always. The same okay, thing. that's fair. That's a better way of looking. When we're on no, I just mean in thing. general. I'm still like. Yeah, but you like being a dick to me. In general, I'm a little so. bit of a control freak. Yeah. Never would have thought that. But I'm nice about it. Also true. And I'm fair. But you're, that's the thing. All right, we got sidetracked. We have the same approach. Is we're both fair when it comes to the people that we're working with, mm. and it's no. This is where you're both wrong. You both have that. You both have points that are correct in the middle of this. You need yeah. to see that. But having someone that knows how to, to handle know, both those so attitudes, but you're right. And that's the biggest one, is you don't have people that are coming in that will stop and look at both sides of what they're arguing. Right. You know, you're, not, you're both not wrong, but you are. Yeah, because I'm right. <laughs> okay. And, and this, is, this is where you have the middle ground. So when you have someone that comes in with that calm... I'm just kidding. Yeah. Okay, I'm half kidding. For those of you listening, I think I'm half kidding. Hey, man, when people pay you to tell them that they're stupid, it's, it happens, so... They don't, it's not... I can't. So, <laughs> all right, back to my... Where was I going with that? All right, so... Baby steps. Yeah, baby steps. It needs to be... It's not going to be a fix. And no amount of kicking and screaming and yelling at the top of your lungs is going to fix it. And here, starting to cut you off, but there's one, nope. one issue that... It's... We haven't brought this up yet, is... You want your staff to come into an establishment that they're going to seek you out because they know that's the place they want to work. So how do you start? You start as the owner by getting your head out of your ass and hiring the right people to do that for you. Mm -hmm. One of the challenges we have is owners don't care. It's my place. It's my establishment. It's my diner, my bar. Mm -hmm. You're doing what I tell you or get out. You can't do that anymore. No, and we also don't teach. So we're going to do this on a future podcast, but we also don't explain to our staff the psychology or the reasonings behind things. Yes. So we, we always say, oh, we have training program A, and we're going to teach you this safety course, or we're going to, uh, today we're going to learn about knife safety, and next week we're going to have a course on, um, I don't know, respect in the workplace. Hmm. We don't teach you why it's important. We don't show you the benefits. We don't, hi, okay, cool. Thanks. Baga. Baga. But um, we don't teach you the benefits of it. The problem is, is that people, and this is non-generational, this is just people. Yeah. The people that will see the most change 
the people who strive for the most change, the people that will work the hardest for you, are the people who feel and understand why you want them to do something. So if a person's invested, for whatever reason, whether they're emotionally invested, financially invested, psychologically invested, whatever, if they're actually invested in what direction you're going, they're going to help you lead the ship. See, I've been very lucky in my career where... Because you get stuck with me a lot? No, that's by choice. Oh, it's I, was, anywhere, I was fishing for a compliment. But... Not bloody likely. Wow. You ruined Mystery Men for me, so not bloody likely. I didn't um, ruin Mystery Men for you. It's a dark movie. Yeah. Get after over it and move on. the psychology side of things, it is a really dark movie. Yeah. Anyways, um, the attitude that was instilled in me when I was young was if you choose to work somewhere someone is paying you to be there mm -hmm. they're investing in you to invest your time in the business to make it better so if you have the right attitude and that's theoretically yes that's what's yeah. happening but that's that's the mentality of how my dad raised me mm -hmm. and it made sense to me because i'm here to one to make a paycheck and do Sorry. a job but two i'm also learning why don't we have fish and chips it's 9.99 I had a okay, anyway, okay, keep going. Sorry, was, I didn't mean to drop, but yeah. I saw the sign and I got sidetracked. Artery clogging. Okay. It was, but right. Anyways, it's you need the right people to come in, and if you are bringing people, I've been very lucky, like I said. So I've had those people that, with that mentality, they saw it, mm -hmm. so they took the time to invest it in me and teach me the how to run the numbers, how to calculate the menu, the food cost, everything, because they saw that I was doing that. So they so now saw comes, that you were mental. So now it comes exactly. So but now it comes into as. Like my generation's having kids now, and in the next 15, 10, 15 years, their kids are going to be going and working in the workforce. Yeah, so it's they'll be come robots, by the For the most part, yeah. But you have to have the mentality of you need to start from the beginning as these kids are coming up in school, mm. but they're not being taught that value of that work. No. And at the same time, right now, society wise, it's hard to have that value of that work when trying to survive with average daily living costs is just atrocious so and hard. So oh, yeah. it, and that's where we're getting this weird breakdown is we're trying to go one direction uh, of society but yes the other part of no are, I mean yes yes you're not wrong cost of living is, is definitely a factor because people are now stressing like it's like goes back to that the, uh, the first episode when we talked about um, uh, benefits yes, like, and healthcare the first episode and, we were drunk at sleep sorry the second episode yeah. when we talked about healthcare and benefits and having that as a major incentive okay. you don't necessarily need to go 20 bucks an hour for an employee but if you're making 17 bucks an hour as a cook like a first cook and you have full benefits in dental, you're not going to be stressing as much because mm -hmm. your medical costs life's are a little easier. Life's a little easier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that every everything we've talked about so far rolls back into itself of how can we improve that mentality and that attitude. Mm -hmm. Well, these small things that you start doing as a business owner will save but you hundreds of thousands of dollars. It is like ultimately long term. It is very much. Thank you. Right. It is very much um, an education thing. Yeah. Like it is. And no matter which way we go, the catch is, is that, so we're eventually, whether it be our industry or um, any industry, any issue that's facing society, you know that old expression that there's nothing new under the sun? Yeah. Which is kind of a religious expression, but it's true. Yep. There's nothing new under the sun. We have hit a point in our technology and our society where every person alive now and every person born after now will understand the fight for equality regardless of how, you, how loud you scream it. Mm -hmm. Because it's ingrained in us now. It's part of our media, it's part of our culture, it's part of our whatever. Every person 
currently alive or born beyond now will understand uh, the serious complexities of racial equality. Maybe one, not understand, but they'll be aware of. One of the only arguments I have with that is, yes, yes that's that's one of the biggest things we have to look at, but it's the perspective mm. of people. Um, just because you understand it, there's mm. a lot of people that don't pre that no, practice it because they're still going to cut away people. Bye, let me finish. The thing is, is that we've hit a point culturally mm -hmm. where screaming really loud Guess is no mean. longer the solution to the problem. No. Back in the 50s and 60s when there wasn't other solutions, you needed to. Yeah. You needed to be the most vocal guy in a soapbox because otherwise nobody would listen to you. That's true. And now there should be. Okay, and maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm overly optimistic. But in society right now, there should be enough leaders and future leaders coming in to lead that education in there. But so. you would hope. But the problem is, is they're not. They're spending so much time on what they think is getting the issue noticed that or they're not even. Elected. Yeah, that they're not even putting the effort in the education portion of the event. Yeah. You know what I mean? If we spend as much time right now truly planning to educate our future generations and truly implementing those plans as we do screaming about them online, we'd already be a decade ahead. It's true. Right? So we need to, the only way we're ever going to find a solution is if we can find that balance between standing on that soapbox it's and actually putting what we've learned into real practice. Because we don't. We just keep standing on the soapbox. I, I never, it sounds bad, but to an extent, I don't include the argument of the states because that's a whole yeah, other monster. But for the most part, everywhere, we, we keep hearing the argument of, we need this, we need this, we need this, but we already have access to everything. We do. We just don't allocate it properly. That's the thing. We don't educate properly. Yeah. We don't. And that, we, that's where it yep. comes in. It goes back to having the right people in charge mm -hmm. that are willing to mentor. Not you, just being in charge, but willing let's, to do it. Let's take a different issue, and I don't want to talk about that issue. Because no. that's all. We, that, that's just we're 20 minutes into the third segment of our three-segment show. Yeah. This is going to be a long one. But if you can find me, a single person, I'll give you an hour. At every place you can see within driving distance, you can find me a single person who has not heard or has not been at least remotely educated in the BLM movement, I'll give you a year's salary. Because nobody at this point in our society doesn't understand racial inequality. And hasn't heard about it. I know one person. Okay. Is she in driving distance? Yes. But openly ignoring it is different than not knowing about it. That comes back to education. So there is nobody on this planet that doesn't know that women have been treated unfairly and unequally since the dawn of the working class. Now, minus Egypt. Egypt was good with that. Yeah, they had equal rights and pharaohs that were... Anyway, I'm getting backtracking. But there's nobody that doesn't know what happened. There's nobody that doesn't know it's still happening. The problem is, is that we've screamed about it so much that nobody... It's like you put up a hundred... COVID posters during COVID, 100 wash your hands posters. After the 100th poster, people know they're supposed to do it. They're just sick of seeing the poster. Yeah. But, but, but if at poster 40, you had stopped and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a poster that actually explains the 
reason yeah. we're doing it. Or I'm going to make a poster about how not washing your hands and then touching the door handle is a problem. Take the 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 need, and now let's start focusing on the education. Yeah, I'm not saying that. And again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't stop. Telling people about this, the problems. Yeah. I just think that now we need to shift focus, so we're putting less emphasis on the scream, more emphasis on yeah. learn. When I was in that one operation in Ontario, um, every day I had more and more posters and more and more stuff, and this is right in the middle of COVID, right? Yeah. It full swing oh, lockdown right? operations, and I made that comment to the actual to the senior management on site, yeah. and it was, I'm not putting up any more posters, and they said, well, then I'm going to have you fired, and I said. Cool. The reason I don't want to is because they're not doing anything. How many people do you know walk past these and don't care? All of them. All of them. Because yeah. it's not about, I can see this all I want, Dude, but you get, get, get numb to it. We still can't get people to stop at stop signs. I know. And that's one sign in the middle of an intersection. Some lady ran a, ran a red light yesterday and almost debunked me. And so you know right. what you're supposed to do. But so, regardless. So now we've listened to my crazy ideology yeah. that is maybe a little rose-colored and thinks people are better than they are. Um... um but it's true. I'd like to think that people are better than they are. Deep down, I know they're not, but I like to think they're. Optimism, man. It's yeah. what makes the world key turn. Um, Hope. We've gone through some of the crazier issues and weirder things. So, what did we learn today? People suck. You know, straight, but there's hope. Straight white dudes are bad. Nah, that's the argument for decades, but... It's true, a little bit. The biggest thing is that... Not us. Like, you're, you're barely a dude, and I'm... You tolerate you really, really tolerate yeah, it. I appreciate I'm, that. Like, mostly white. Yeah. Actually, I'm pretty white. I didn't say anyway. Anyway. But that's the, that's the thing. Also, that's what I think the biggest takeaway is that a lot of people are very. They suck. But there's people hope. suck. There's hope. We have hope in the future. Yeah. It's just vetting people from the right positions and getting the right ones in that you know, are willing to mentor and educate. I think that's um, where we're one of the things we need, too. But people don't want to because here's, here's kind of the way I look at it. So back during, we'll call it, uh, I don't know, the sort of Martin Luther King era, it was a time of serious change, turmoil, and upheaval in the world. I think, and it took 20 years after that to see the effects of it, to see the positive change. Well, we're in a very similar spot right now. We're in a a post-pandemic, crazy politics world-changing war kind of era. And you know what? It sucks. Same thing happened in yeah. the 20s. And you know what's going to happen in 20 years? Happen again. We're going to sit back and go, how, man? Remember 20 years ago when, like, people actually gave a shit about this? Because it hasn't been a problem for a decade. That's true. Uh, or you, you could go the opposite direction. Oh, yeah, well, but, you know what I mean? Like, I think that we need to, sometimes we need to sit back and realize that um, we know what the problems are. Now, instead of complaining, still constantly telling people the problem, let's fix it. Let's fix it. I mean, I'm a big person on fixing the problem. Mm. Oh, you know me. I don't want to know what the problem is. I want you to fix the problem. Yeah, that's why I just do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, most any of you that are my staff that are listening, you know what was the problem. I don't care. I fix the problem. Mm. Just tell you me know what the solution is. Fix it. Go no. fix it. Don't tell me sixteen times what broke. You know what I mean? Also, don't expect a rousing round of applause when you do it, because sometimes it just needs to be done and no one cares. Yeah, and you should just do it, because you're a person. And it's the right thing to do. Mm. Weird. This is a weird. This is probably one of our more serious, 
Serious? Someone's gonna hate us. Oh no, nobody's gonna hate us. I mean, they already hate you. Yeah. But I don't <laughs> care. So. Oh, so it's a twenty forty. I'm doing the math in my head. This is officially congratulations, uh, Spotify and podcast world. This is officially our longest podcast to date. All forty of you. Thank you. No, no. We've had 137 total listeners. Wow. But we're only averaging about 20 to 40 per episode. We're getting there. I know. We're you know what, actually, it's pretty good considering the complete lack of advertising. And, and yeah. Whatever. But uh, I think we're, we're fun doing it. Yeah. yeah we like blast. you people. You're great. We yeah. think you like us. Well, uh, 127, you know. Great. But do us a favor. We want you to do the subscribe thing if you can. Yep. Depending on the podcast platform you use, we are currently available on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, um, Google Podcast, Anchor, which is our hosting service. Yes. um, Pod dot something. I forgot what that one was. Pretty much most major streaming services. If it's if there's a streaming service that has podcasts, we're on it. So, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. That's where we're at. Yeah. So, and on every podcast episode now, there is a Ask Us Anything kind of Q&A. Uh, likes, comments, make sure you like, subscribe, share with your friends. Yeah. How are you doing? Uh, one more? You good yeah. for now or just bring it? Uh, yeah, just bring it. One more. Yeah. Um, that was us ordering the final final drink. Yes. So. Before we die or whatever. Yeah. What, do you got, what do you got for a final thought? Just don't be an asshole like that person next to you. I'm not an asshole. No, not you, just in general. No, I said I'm an asshole. Oh, yeah, you are. But like I'm a good, I'm the nice kind? It's more of a dick. No, you know. Well, dicks are funny. Assholes are mean. <laughs> so that's the differentiation. It's actually really accurate. Yeah. All right. But yeah. That's um, pretty accurate. Um, like, subscribe, share, find us on Instagram. I do have one more comment. Oh, oh here we If go. anybody made it this far. Um, Impressive. Here's my comment. If you are still stuck in the mindset that you are better than, I don't know, anybody else, <laughs> if you're still misogynistic, if you're still racially motivated, if you're still whatever, I want you to do me and yourself a favor and go take a strong look in the mirror. Because you're not. I'm not. House is not. We're all just people, man. And in our industry, if you're in this hospitality industry, our industry lives and dies on diversity. So if you can't get on board with that, you're listening to the wrong show. You're in the wrong industry, too. <laughs> right? But yeah, that's all I got today. Cool. Good? All right. Well, Cheers, this guys. has been uh, Two Drunks on Betsy. Betsy. Even that's that. a little misogynistic. but <laughs> We'll explain that next episode. It's going to be a whole other podcast. Yeah. Okay. We've been talking about doing a history show for after. So next time we get together and do a podcast, we'll do some research and give you a history show. We're going to pick three things. So in that Q&A, if you want, send us a list of the things you want to hear about. Best history stuff. I mean, I got some stuff we could talk about, but there's got to be weird legalities. We'll figure it out. All right, man. Cheers. Cheers.